Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Well, Ben. Hey. It's been a couple weeks. How have you been? Oh, great. Thanks for asking. You got anything exciting going on in your life in the last two weeks? Nope. You? No. Okay. Not a goddamn thing. Yep. Uh, just a lot of uh, sitting around the house because I don't have a job uh, for this last week. And uh, just being at the beck and call of my children. I hear a cat meowing at me. Oh. I also, uh, I cat-proofed my basement to let him walk around down here, and now he just destroys everything, and he's loud as hell all the time. So I guess those are the only things I get to talk about. It sounds like maybe you didn't actually cat-proof it then. Uh, well, cat-proofed it so he doesn't get behind the walls and pull out a dead, oh, okay. petrified mouse again like he did that one time. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be better if you pulled them out instead of just leaving them behind the walls? Um, no, because then he just brings them upstairs and bats them around like a hockey puck. It's pretty disturbing. Okay. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> Been having a rough weekend, Ben? Yeah, I'm all tuckered out. I don't know why. Oh, you poor guy. Have you yeah. been getting outside at all? I haven't. No, I've, I haven't. I, I need to <laughs> I need to change that, probably. I was going to go take a walk today, since it was finally above zero <laughs> outside. And, uh, and I just changed my mind. I'm too lazy. I was like, eh, nah. <laughs> Even though it's been, like, below... Like, ten below and stuff for, like, the last two weeks. I could finally get outside, but I just refused to do it. Uh, yeah, I had a very similar thought pattern today. I, this morning, I thought, oh, I should probably get outside and take a walk or something. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I never got around to doing that. It was, just felt pretty lazy today. So Yeah, eh, we're a couple of sad sacks. Yes, we are. Book boys! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we're not aging well, are we? We should move on to talking no. about the book. Uh, <laughs> Do you got anything for a backyard blast bird blurb? Or is Gretchen also feeling depressed from the winter weather and doesn't feel like up to the energy of giving us anything? No, Gretchen's been getting outside, and she, uh, yeah, she seems to be fine, so. How is she getting outside? Like I said, it was, like, literally 25 below one day. What is she doing I, outside? She bundles up. She goes She goes for a walk. She's she's ridiculous. Hardier than we are. Well, it seems to be, she seems to be in a better mental state than you or I are in, so <laughs> somebody true. said for that, I guess. So. <laughs> is she still not working? Is she basically retired? Yeah, that seems to be the case. So we got to find out her. what her secret is, or I got to find out what her secret is. Now that I don't have anything to do for days on end because I don't have a job, I might need Bullshit. to uh, reach out to her and find out what do you do to keep a stiff upper lip and a good attitude well, while you sit I, around. Shouldn't you be looking for a job? Shouldn't that be what you do? Yeah, that's what I've made myself decide I'm going to do starting next week. I wanted to give my week myself a week off of just doing nothing, and then starting tomorrow, okay. sign up for unemployment. Start looking for jobs, call people, blah, blah. I hate all that crap. I know it sucks. It's horrible. So, yes, I'll start tomorrow. Okay. 
bird oh, blurb. You, you know what I need is a pick me up. I need a bird blurb to pick me up, Ben. Uh, Gretchen's backyard blast bird blurb. Bard owl. <laughs> it's but, a very common owl that is often seen hunting during the day, perching and watching for mice, birds, or other prey. One of the few owls to take fish out of a lake. Often sounds like a dog barking before giving an eight hoot call that sounds like god damn it i have to make a bird <laughs> i love it when she makes you do this <sighs> oh no. maybe this is this is the pick me up i needed go on do the sound who cooks for you who cooks for you <laughs> in contrast the great horned owl sounds like <laughs> fucking ridiculous <laughs> can, you, can you promise me that the next time you have like a date, um, you tell the person, well, like what, what what's interesting about you? Like, well, I am pretty well known for my bird calls. <laughs> you start doing a couple. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I, I'm not sure about that. All right. Fine. Uh, fun fact. Harriet Tubman used barred owl calls to communicate with the freedom seekers on the Underground Railroad. By shouting who cooks for you? I guess so. That's uh, very timely. Of course, it's Black History Month right now, so thanks. Mother. Oh, well, look at that. Yeah. Is it called a barn or a bard owl? Bard. B-A-R-R-E-D. Bard. Oh, weird. All right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Glenn. Right. Glenn. 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 Oh, Glenn. Yeah. Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What, do, you, do you know what type of books do owls like to read? I don't know. Hoot, hoot books. I don't know. Uh, oh, you were so close. It's whodunits. Oh. You, you I was going to say, originally I was going to say who knows, but uh, damn it. You're right. Oh, yeah. You're, Man, you I could have almost them. nailed one Glenn, of our jokes. Glenn, 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 Glenn. What? Knock, knock. Ah, God damn it. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. This is, yeah, this is the thing we keep saying knock, knock over and over. And knock, it knock. makes my skin tingle. Go. Uh, who's there? Owl. Owl. Who? I'll be seeing you. Oh, I thought me, by making me say who, I thought this was going to play into the, but no. Okay. No. I was no. a little disappointed by that one. Yeah, but, <laughs> sorry, sorry, you heard that down. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's the end of that. Thanks, mother. Oh, uh, a delight yeah. as always. Thanks, Gretchen. Thanks for the pick-me-up. Well, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, uh, That's what's up. A hot new young adult fiction books for teens that slap. I forget. I can never remember what we call this. (laughs) What's up now, teens? This book slaps or something. <laughs> Slap it. Slap the book, teen. Uh, this, way, uh, this week, we're going to learn about an upcoming new young adult fiction called Two Can Keep a Secret by Karen M. McCannis. Uh, and it has a little thing next to this person, uh, her name saying that she's on tour, apparently, during COVID. I'd like to see what that's all about. She's well, she... Like some kind of bubble. She is a Karen, so why wouldn't she be? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. She, if anything, just like belligerent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wearing a mask. This is my book tour. Uh, when it comes to YA suspense, Karen M. McCannis uh, is in a league of her own, 
Fresh off her best-selling breakout, One of Us is Lying, the author uh, has returned with a juicy second novel. It's even better than what came before. Uh, I guess that was a review by EW. I don't know what EW is. Entertainment uh, Weekly? Is it? Okay. I don't know. That's, that could be. Uh, the must-read YA thriller, Bustle, from number one New York Times best-selling author of One of Us is Lying. Every single book that's ever published. I think I've said this already. It's a New York Times best-selling <laughs> It drives me crazy. Yes. Echo Ridge is a small town in America. Ellery's never been there. But she's heard all about it. Her aunt went missing there at the age of 17, and only five years ago, a homecoming queen put the town on the map uh, when she was killed. Now Ellery has to move there to live with a grandmother she barely knows. Blech. The town is a picture-perfect, <laughs> but it's... I'm trying to be like a snotty teen. The town is picture-perfect, but it's hiding secrets. And before school even begins for Ellery, someone has declared open season on homecoming, promising to make it as dangerous as it was five years ago, when almost as if to prove it, another girl goes missing. Oh, I guess that's what happened five years ago. Ellery knows all about secrets, her mother has them. Her grandmother does too. And the longer she's in Echo Ridge, the clearer it becomes that everyone there is hiding something. The thing is, secrets are dangerous, and most people aren't good at keeping them, which is why in Echo Ridge, it's safest to keep your secrets uh, to yourself. <laughs> so dumb. This comes out March 2nd, and it's cost 10 bucks. So uh, keep an eye out for it. Two can keep Wait. a secret. 10 bucks? That seems really cheap for a new book. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess is that's it, the reason why it's straight to paperback? I don't I'm know. guessing, yeah. Uh, that Maybe that's the reason why she's a New York Times bestselling author because uh, she's, <laughs> she's just, just undercutting. The <laughs> giving him away for free. <laughs> well, with that, uh, let's go to the, the next segment where we introduce the, the book. This week, we finish reading The Book of Dust, La Belle Sauvage, by Philip Pullman. A little background on the book. It was released on the 19th of October in 2017. Uh, some background on the author. He was born the 19th of October, 1946. I did scrape up some fun facts, uh, but if you have anything, feel free to jump in. I have nothing. I didn't think so. Philip Pullman's <laughs> zodiac sign is Libra. <laughs> the zodiac sign Libra uh, thrives when their needs when their needs of balance. I got this from famousdetails.com yeah. and it didn't have any real details about his career or anything like that. It was just stuff like his zodiac sign and it's written weird. So I'm wondering if it's another one of those uh, poorly translated websites. The zodiac sign Libra is thrives when their needs of balance, justice and stability are met. They are charming creatures that somehow always surround themselves with a sense of beauty and harmony. They are charming, harmonious, diplomatic, and easygoing in nature, although they can be indecisive, superficial, hypocritical, gullible, and passive-aggressive. He's born in the year of the dog. His ruling planet is Venus. Uh, it turns out that the British young adult author has been alive for 
27,154 days <laughs> or 651,716 <laughs> hours. Uh, did you know that there has been... <laughs> Wait, that's, that's your fun fact. Yeah, this is all that came off this website. Did you know that there's precisely 920 full moons after his birth to this day? <laughs> his height and weight are unavailable, but this website says that they are working on getting the information soon. <laughs> that sounds kind of ominous. Like, what are they... Yeah, I know. some operation in the words. Like, we're going to get this guy's weight. I know. I just you, just, to... you just wait and see. We're going we're gonna to find out how much Philip Illinois is. <laughs> He's like, I like out on like some street corner giving some like review of one of his books or something, and then a white van pulls up and they just abduct him and then like measure <laughs> him and weigh him against his will. <laughs> uh, it turns out his life path number is a four. A life path number represents the worker. Uh, those who walk a life path with the number four have an almost unbreakable spirit and astounding capabilities of self-control. Three reminds us that equality for all sides creates the strongest structures. Its energy is that of stability. The values are structure, discipline, and health. The challenges are uh, balance your ambitions with your need for security. I think they just talked about a, a different number in the middle of their review of him being a number four. I don't even know what a life path is. Have you ever heard about that? No. No. Well, my last fun <laughs> fact. Uh, my last fun fact is I finally figured out what bothers me about this guy. Uh, <laughs> by the time we read the third book in the His Dark Materials, I was just kind of fed up with him because he is a good writer, but his stories, I always just thought, like, he sets up things that he doesn't pay off or he just surprises you. Like, it just kind of seems like lazy writing, even though he's a good writer. It's just story-wise. He's just, it seems like he's kind of making it up as he goes along. But then when I was reading about how he's so, like, self-satisfied that he's an atheist, it's not just that, hey, he happens to be an atheist, but, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm an atheist. And I'm like, why does this bother me so much? It's the same thing as why you didn't like George Saunders. I think that's why it bothers me. It's the smugness. Yeah. Do you remember Persuasion Nation that we read? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, that all. you just didn't like him. Why Good you just writer, said, yeah, but you just hated it. Smug. Yeah, he mm-hmm. just said it seemed I, like an insufferable prick to me, and I didn't like reading it. Yep, and that's what I get from this guy uh, in general. Well, anyways, let's move on to the overbo- uh, overview of the book. You, you ready to do that, Ben? Yeah, sure, why not? Can you do it in the voice of, like, a little elf? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it in whatever fucking voice I want to, okay? <laughs> Don't tell me what voice to do my shit in, okay? I'll, I'll do it. All right, go ahead. All right, all right, all right. Are, are, are you sure? Is that okay if I go ahead now? Yeah, fine, go hey, ahead. Damn, dude, I was just What voice did you want? You had a fucking elf? Is that what you said? Yeah, something kind of Middle, er- middle Earth, you know, whimsical and eh, fun. But... Eh, eh. <laughs> That's not an elf. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I'm not doing a fucking elf. I think I <laughs> insulted by it. This is ridiculous. Just overview the goddamn book. I, w- I wish that we were recording this together in your basement so I could storm out right now. <laughs> fucking elf. I would love that if it was on the episode. You getting up, leaving. You can hear the door close. <laughs> I can hear you like walk across the house above me and leave out the front door. <laughs> Just overview the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. So uh, this is the second half of the uh, first book of the Book of Dust, uh, Volume 1, La Belle Sauvage, Part 2, <laughs> The Flood, okay? All right? Uh, we remember uh, as we uh, left uh, Part 1, there, there was a flood, and they were escaping in the canoe. Uh, Malcolm Pulse said, uh, this boy of, uh, what, 11, 12 years old? Something like uh, that. Alice, who's a, a young uh, a bar wench in training, basically. Uh, I don't know, was she 14, 15, 16? I don't know all this. Something like is. that. Yeah, and then Lyra. We we Lyra's a baby. Anyway, so they're in this uh, 
the canoe, Malcolm's uh, beloved canoe, La Belle Sauvage. Uh, <laughs> they're just uh, escaping this flood in this canoe. All right, all right. So they're they're going downstream. Okay. They're, I love uh, that you're like trying to sell this book to me as if you're like pitching yeah. a movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. You're gonna love this next part though. Okay. <laughs> So, so they float into town, okay, they, they come across this pharmacy, they steal some supplies for the baby, and then uh, they keep going. And uh, in the meantime, there's this, this Oakley Street organization that's, uh, uh, they're, they're uh, you know, spies or whatever with the alethiometer, and they're against the church. And the, so, like, they're trying to get Lyra, too, because they know she's special. And, like, they meet at, uh, during college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so the kids, though, back to the kids. They're uh, going downstream, all right? And they they come across this house and like there's this there's this guy this uh, Mr. Bonneville he's he's after him he wants his baby too they're not quite sure why but he's obviously up to no good he's, does he want to kill the baby he's kind of a pervert he might want to fuck the baby okay that's disturbing to think about but it's a possibility we have to consider here. he just got out of prison for some sort of sex crime they're a little unclear on what it is but this is not a good guy here okay and he's got this he's got a really creepy demon too his his demon is uh, this hyena with three legs that's it oh but and it, just, and it likes down to two legs. Yeah, yeah, and the, and it likes to piss all over the place. Like it's it shows its power by like peeing, which weirdly anyway. intimidates everyone that witnesses it. Whenever you see a dog yeah. peeing, you're like, oh, weird. But yeah. everyone that in this book, they're like, and then it peed. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, Glenn, if I if I saw the physical manifestation of your soul just like pissing in front of me, <laughs> like staring me in the eyes and taking a leak, I'd be a little weirded out. I think. Okay. <laughs> I also love this vibe you're giving right now yeah. of like the the greasy like pitching a movie. I almost yeah. imagine a cigarette butt falling out of your pocket is like <laughs> I think he wants to fuck the baby. <laughs> like your hair's greased back. <laughs> Wait, why is there a cigarette butt in my pocket? Really? I don't know. I, I just like to imagine you guy who's uh, you're a guy who sleeps in his car in the suit that you wore to this pitch. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. So anyway, they're they're in this uh, Bonneville's after him. They're, they're in this old uh, mansion thing, whatever. They they shoot him somehow. They get a shotgun. They stab him and they shoot him and then or say they shoot stab him and shoot the demon or something and whatever. They get away. Uh, they're not sure if he's dead or not. They take his backpack too. <laughs> uh, all right, so so they keep going. Uh, they they come to this island, all right, and uh, there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of recluses here on this island and hiding out in the cave. One of them is Mr. Boatwright. Oh my God, you remember Mr. Boatwright from part one? Oh wow, didn't expect to see him again. I thought maybe he was dead, but no, it turns out he was just hiding on this island with a bunch of other people, a bunch of scofflaws. I don't know. They, <laughs> you don't know what they're there, what they're hiding from, and you don't ask them because that's not polite. Okay, but there's a bunch of them on this island, all right? And they and then they they're like, okay, we're safe for now. We can we can feed the baby. We can we can clean the baby. We can have some food for ourselves. We can we can sleep in this cave. It's, it's gonna be fine. Turns out, though, one of the people on this island's a boy. He's a fucking rat. Okay, he's with the uh, <laughs> with the League of Saint Alexander. Fucking rat, and he rats him out. So, like the uh, the church people come and steal Lyra and take her back to this uh, this priory with a bunch of mean nuns. Not the good priory from before. This is like the bad priory with the, like the nuns who are like total bitches, um, <laughs> like the sisters of holy obedience, and they they really like to teach obedience to the children. I'll tell you what. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so the ba- the baby's there. They interrogate this boy. Like basically, Malcolm beats the shit out of this kid who ratted them out, and they get they get the details <laughs> out of him where this where Lyra is. So they go to rescue her, which uh, is like they're 
getting some insider information from people who used to work there about how to break in this place. It's impossible. You never get in there. Uh, it turns out it wasn't that hard, though. They got in, yeah, took a baby, and got out. So that was that was good because it sounded impossible, but it was fine. Uh, all right. So then uh, they go to the southern island. They meet a fairy. The fairy breastfeeds later, which was kind of weird. It turns out uh, she's a 1,000 years old, and she thinks it's her baby now, but then the kids trick her, so she has to give the baby back because like, they're too clever for the fairy. The 1,000-year-old fairy was easily tricked. By the kids with a little bit of wordplay or something, a little bit of misdirection in the in their story or whatever. So anyway, all right, all right. So they keep going. All right, okay. They they keep going. Okay, and then they go down this waterfall and there's this in, in this weird places. I don't know what is it. Is it purgatory or something? What, what's this weird place there? Who oh, knows? There's a bunch of people walking yeah. around. They can't see them, but you can eat the food there and like build a fire. <laughs> so like, there's some physical properties here that make sense, but then like I don't know. They're like invisible, but like Bonneville's there. What? Didn't see that coming. Where did he come? from he's there in a wheelchair then he can see the kids so then all right they're on the run again because they're being chased and they get to the there's like a gate here the gate in the river which is weird who feels a gate in the river (laughs) i'll tell you who does like the the fucking king of the thames or what's his uh lord the oh he's the the old man man of the thames yeah 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 okay anyway it's not him but it's one of his his underlings he's like they trick this guy into opening the gate for him too these kids are very clever they can trick uh giants and fairies into doing shit for him (laughs) anyway so they get out of this weird world and they're back on the the regular river which is still flooded it's a big flood Ah, okay, because they're, they're trying to get to uh, London, all right? Because they know that's where Lord Azrael is. You know, Lord Azrael, of course, will remember his lighter's father. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll give the baby back to her father. That, that, that should work. Anyway, so they get to London. Uh, oh, wait, I forgot. They, they met a witch along the way, too. That was kind of, I don't know why that was there. That was brief. Anyway, so the witch, the witch saw him, then the witch left, and then they got to... Uh, uh, London, but not before they stopped at a mausoleum and finally beat Bonneville to death with a with the <laughs> oar from the boat, and then and then they got to London, and then uh, Azrael came, and then he took him in a helicopter to Jordan College so uh, they could give Lyra there for sanctuary, so mm-hmm. she's safe now. So anyway, now she's safe. Well done, perfect. Well, I have complaints. Do so. Do you see why I think this book is ridiculous yet, or do you still think it's a good book and you'd recommend it? Um, I'm torn. I knew we were going to have this conversation. Um. (laughs) I get your point. I'm not arguing your point that it's easy to read and it's entertaining enough. Hey, hey. Sorry, the cat's trying to get up uh, in a spot he's not supposed to. So I get your point that it's easy to read. Which is entertaining because you said you cat proofed the basement and that he's still able to get places. Yeah, he's working really hard trying to get into spots he's not supposed to go. Okay. So it's easy. And uh, easy to digest and stuff, but for a person that's written so many books, I expect the story to not be so just weird and kind of made up on the fly vibe. I don't know. Do you, do you agree with me yet or no? Well, I think I touched on it a little bit, like um, with how easy it was for him to like break into this yes. fortress of a priory and steal the. They just like basically climbed up a drainage pipe. Yes. Um, yeah. No. It was. It was weird because like yeah. I, it, he does write well, and I found myself kind of engrossed in the adventure and in the world. But at the same time, yeah, there's like that. There's like this. The weird thing on the Enchanted Island with the fairy was just like, where did that come from? And why was that there? Yeah. It's like there's this really in. brief meeting with the witch. And we know Lyra is part of this witch prophecy, but yeah. that didn't play a role at all in this book. There was just this really brief encounter with the witch, which. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Because, yeah, some of these things just felt kind of tacked on. Yeah, I know, and that's my biggest problem with them. But I didn't at all dislike it, dislike reading it. I was still 
Yeah, I I, yeah, it was enjoyable to read, but yeah, I understand what you're saying about the story being thin, I guess. Right. I'm sort of, I guess I'm more anal, where if if you, like, I've, I've said this a million times on all these different episodes we've done, like, if you make up a rule, then stick by the rule, which Stephanie Myers kind of does, uh, but also, what's her name that wrote uh, Fifty Shades of Grey just doesn't do it all. Uh, but then he sort of does, and so, like, in the in the Dark Materials books, he'll introduce witches because people talk about it or mention it. Like, oh, yeah, the witches, they have this prophecy, whatever. And then later on in the book, you finally meet the witches. And so it's like, okay, that's like a setup and a payoff, and that that's great. That, that's satisfying. But then as he got into his second and third book, he kind of got a little more sloppy. By this book, the fairy one is what stood out for me, too, because there's, as far as I know, I don't think they ever mentioned fairies at all in any of the books. Then suddenly, I, yeah, I, they just that was exist my thought, now, too. I, don't, and I didn't remember them. And yeah, that was what kind of caught me off with this book was it seemed like it was more magical than yeah. the his Dark Materials. There was the, the fairy, there was the giant, there was yep. this other weird world that they were in, which wasn't like the parallel world from no them I'm, before. It was like in their world, but there's this other realm within it. Yeah, so it was just weird. It felt like the rules had changed a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, it's 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 silly to say like, well, it's too much. It's too much fantasy, or you know, it's not grounded when it's a fantasy book that involves like demons and whatever else. So I mean, I understand that. So it's kind of like Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones set up like there's dragons, there's wizards. Uh, and, you know, whatever else. But it's like they're talked about and established. They don't add stuff on later to just like, well, I don't know. There's vampires now. Like, it just that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. So it kind of sets up the the world and the rules, and that's the environment. So it seems more, you accept it more. I don't know. Anyways, with this, the fairy being thrown in there was kind of out of nowhere. And like yeah. you said, they... And the giant, too. The, they they cheated her out of... Or they what, they tricked her with this, like, if you can solve... If you can tell us how we met this baby, then, you know, then you can keep the baby. And so then she, she gives a couple fake answers, and then she gives the real answer, which is, you know, you got it from the nuns, and you're on the run because somebody's hunting you, and blah, blah, blah. So she got it right, but she doesn't know their names because they had aliases. They walked in and gave fake names. So that's how, yeah. she, that's how she failed because she doesn't know their real names when she called them out. And so then it's like, that's how you... This fairy can supernaturally know exactly what your full story is, but doesn't know your names. And it's just like, uh that's not that clever. And then there's a giant, like you said, <clears throat> and he's not just some giant hanging out. His job is to guard this gate and he can't open it because it's only for, if there's a drought, you got to open this gate and it'll send a flood out for like the drought or whatever. Um, and so he's like, I can't open this up. And they're like, can you please open it up? And he's like, no, if I open this up, you have no idea how much water is going to come flying out of here. It's going to kill a ton of more people than already have been with this flood and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, can you just do it anyways? He's like, no. And then he's like, but if you let me hold the baby, I will. So he holds the baby, then he lets him through. And it doesn't do the damage that the giant said. Plus, the giant is being told by a third magical character, Old Man Thames, basically Neptune of the river, <laughs> is told to stand there and guard the gate. Yeah, and yeah, it was just yeah, like it was just weird things that hadn't previously been established. That yeah, part of and this that world was now. Yeah, that that that's, that didn't, yeah, kind of what was driving me nuts. Yeah, that uh, got to me a little bit. Yeah, who I forgot who Mister Boatwright was. You just mentioned him as you're doing your review. Uh, what, what was he before? I don't remember. He him was from a, a patron at the Trout Inn in in part one, and he uh, ran afoul of the church authorities. They were. Question. I mean, he was being belligerent towards the uh, 
whatever church organization was, and then he disappeared. I thought it was implied that the the authorities had taken him away and like yeah. imprisoned him or killed him, but apparently he had just run into the woods and hid out. So, so that would be one of the one of the twenty eight named characters that you didn't know <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he actually did matter in the end, but not the one that slapped Alice's butt, and not any of the other kind of random people around town, but this guy mattered. Uh, that that also made things uh, frustrating. My thing was, um, I was expecting, okay, either all of these characters, you're going to somehow make it make sense that you're introducing all these people, and we're just bombarded. We don't know who we're supposed to pay attention to or who we're supposed to care about. Because, um, like, you never read them, but in Harry Potter, they'll introduce a character that doesn't get mentioned again, but then at the end of the book, they'll mention that person, and that person's progressed to a certain point in their own story. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, you get to see this kind of side character has its own progression going on behind the scenes. I was like, okay, that, that better happen here. No, with these last few chapters, he kind of just got rid of all the characters, except boiled it down to about five. Um, and then that was kind of it. Like, even Hannah kind of disappeared. Yeah, she she was not really involved in part two at all. Yeah. No, but she was a major character in the first 15 chapters and also yeah. she disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So those are odd. Um, also the, 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 whatever the CCD, I forget what it's called. Um, yeah. yeah CCD. Yeah. Uh, they, that started to branch up because you mentioned that too, the, the nuns that are the sisters of holy obedience or whatever. Um, I was like, what, what's that? Is this a different sect inside the CCD? Like, how how involved is this now? How many branches of government are there within the CCD? And so that was also kind of weird to me. Well, uh, for what sucked, do you got anything? Uh, yeah, just like I don't know that tackdown crap that we just talked about. That yeah, yeah. The the, the fairy thing is weird. The giant is yeah. These weird little things that were there and I wasn't quite sure why yeah did you hear my cat just knock something else down in my basement <laughs> yes <laughs> great yeah for me I got more because uh, thanks to the power of an audiobook I can do other things and then when I hear something that I'm just like oh god damn it then I go and I can write it down real quick uh, one thing was Malcolm reflects on how it's as if Lord Asriel knew that the flood was coming by returning La Belle Sauvage to him and getting it all fixed up and I was like, what? Because he literally had a man fix it, and the man came to him and said, a flood is coming. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, either he's writing the character to not be this bright, or the author just kind of forgot and just wasn't paying attention, just kind of making it up as he goes along. Uh, we So then we get more more characters introduced, like Tilda Vasera, the Queen of the Witches. Maybe, was she part of the original trilogy? I can't remember. I, I don't know. There was... Serafina Pecola. I don't remember if this was because yeah, there's like eight witch queens, aren't there? There's a bunch of different witch. Oh yeah, oh clans. that's right. Uh, uh, she says that the the island that they're on is just kind of magically invisible, so don't worry about anyone finding you or harassing you. Yeah, they don't stay on the island; they take off, and of course they get chased down by Gerard or whatever. Uh, and also, how do the kids find the island? <laughs> that kind of got me. Well, the witch made. It was the witch that made the island invisible to other people. Once they landed, then she made it invisible? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just like she made this invisible all along or something. I don't know. 
But in either case, why'd they leave? They should have stayed there till the waters came down or something. I don't know. It just seemed weird. They had one safe spot. But uh, then the, the island where they're being treated as if they're invisible, the island's weirdly magical. Is that the island where when they want to make a fire, twigs that are just the right size are available to them? And then when they want, like, a wastebasket to throw some trash away, one just happens to be magically nearby them? So like, No. Every, which island was, was that? That was when that was in that magical realm where the giant was, and where the people who well, yeah, see them were. Yeah, that's the same island I'm talking about, where the the people no. treated them as if they're invisible, like they just walked past them. Yeah, but that was before yeah, they met island. the witch. Oh, I'm just I'm not doing this in order. I'm just pointing out the so the island where everyone was walking by and nobody could like see or hear or pay attention to Malcolm and and everyone. Uh, that was the one where it's just like things were weirdly magically convenient for them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, weird. Why? And how come these people are walking around as if they're like ghosts or something? They're, you know, they, you, you can't see whatever. And so then when they talk to the giant, the giant goes, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's an area for lost souls. Basically, people that get, he said, like people that give up or something. I forget how yeah, he described they, People that have forgotten or have stopped seeing or something. It was, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand what is that. Why is that? They don't explain who are these people that have stopped seeing. What does that mean? Like, could your uncle one day just be one of these people and then just magically transported to this area to be around more people? Yeah, I don't don't know. It was was weird. I don't know if maybe it'll get explained further in the next book. I don't know. Or maybe it's just tacked on there and it's never going to be uh, addressed again. I don't know. Well, that's the thing about the first trilogy. They at least did a good job of explaining stuff before you went and experienced it. Or when they did experience it, there was at least kind of an answer. Like that one tropical island thing that they were on and stuff. And it was kind of explained. You're like, okay, yeah, and you you accept it. But this one was just like, huh, what? Uh, But then also, yeah, the first 15 chapters, you had 23 characters introduced. Uh, The last, the rest of the book, there was five characters and two pseudonyms. (laughs) Richard and Sandra. (laughs) And Ellie, three pseudonyms. Come on. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, anyways, uh, what do you think's good about this? Uh, like I said, Phil Pullman's a good writer, and I, you know, despite the shortcomings on the plot and the weird tacked-on things, it was still really engrossing, I thought, and it was a fun adventure, so. Sure. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's well-written. Uh, I like that they swear more. There's a yeah, lot I was more. Gonna, that was, the other thing I was going to say, it's like one of those good kind of YA things where it's children on the cusp of adulthood and they, you feel like they're struggling with mature themes and trying to figure it out. So Right. Oh, and that's another thing. If you think about it, so like the first, even just the first book in the His Dark Materials, you understood kind of the journey you're about to go on. And it was like, there's dust and maybe there's like proof of God and there's all these big things and those are the kind of mysteries being set up. In this one, I, unless I'm wrong, pretty much the entire point of this book and maybe leading into the next book at some point is just trying to get Lyra safe. Like, you're literally being chased by one guy and you're just trying to keep a baby safe. And I, th- I thought, eh, that's not that exciting. Yeah, I don't know, it's just her yeah origin story, basically. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but there's not much to her. She's just a baby, so it's not like she's there's revealing secrets about how she's the chosen one, unless I miss that, but there's just not much to her. It was just trying to... I don't know. Anything for what the hell? Um, 
I don't know. Nothing that stood out. Nothing that jumped out to me. Oh, stuff jumped out to me. Bud Schlesinger was a character, and he sounds like he'd be somebody that's uh, friends with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> just the name, you mean? Yeah, just the name, Bud okay. Schlesinger. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was kind of a weird name. For I him, know. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a guy who'd sit around drinking Miller Lite and, uh, and helping my dad try to do woodworking or something. <laughs> just <that> sounds <laughs> weird. <laughs> Uh, I pointed out the fantasy creatures. I kind of gave that one away early. Uh, they're being introduced without any foreknowledge. So the fairy, the giant, the old father of the Thames. Uh, oh, Malcolm getting separated from his demon in chapter 24. Uh, in the previous trilogy, they made it clear that when Lyra was separated from Pan, it was so distressing and so horrible feeling that she just spent the entire time crying as if like she's being stabbed with a knife kind of thing. And she was kind of like just crumpled up on the ground weeping until they were reunited again but here Malcolm separates from his demon because uh, Alice gets taken by Gerard so he's got to chase after to go help her so he leaves his demon Astro with Lyra in the boat to protect her and he says that it's painful but he still managed to do a lot of crap like get in a fight with Gerard and win (laughs) stuff so I was like what I thought it was supposed to be so painful you're just debilitated but you can separate, I guess, for kind <laughs> of a while. It's just weird. He's, he's a very special boy, I guess. Uh, conveniently special. Uh, would you recommend it? I wrote Ben might. <laughs> <laughs> I might. I wouldn't recommend it as strongly as the Tis Dark Materials trilogy, but... Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to see. I don't know if there's going to be a payoff in the next two books of this trilogy, so... Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's sort of, um, I guess I have a harder time giving him a pass. Like, well, maybe this, the kind of pointlessness of this book is going to be explained and stuff in the next book where it's worth it. Like all this kind of filler that you got to learn before the next book where the action really happens or whatever. The story really kicks in and gets really interesting. Because I've been burned before uh, by the prequels to Star Wars. The first movie was horseshit, but I made myself like, oh, no, it's it's just you've got to get this part out of the way before you can make the really good other two. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen, did it? Yeah, it didn't happen. I've been burned before, so <laughs> I've realized over time, like, each thing that each media or entertainment that you take in should probably be entertaining and, you know, like, not something you got to tell yourself the next one will be better. I mean, we're going we're gonna to find out, though, aren't we? Because we reading the next one at some point. Yes, I think I need to take a little bit of a break. For some reason, okay. this one, uh, like, we, we've got the Choose Your Own Adventure that you bought me, kindly, yeah. as you did. Yes. Uh, well, we should read next, and then, I don't know, something else, and then we'll do the next one, damn it. Oh, we gotta read the, the next Twilight book, if you've got it in you to deal with that. Ugh. Yeah. God damn it. Well, enough of that. Uh, let's move on to Ben's Corner. Uh, do you got anything that you thought stood out that you felt like reading? Uh, I don't know. I, I got something. We'll we'll see if it works. I, I don't know. It maybe maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Here. We'll see if it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love it if after the end of reading one of these things, you're just like, well, not everyone's a home run. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> um. So this is when um, Malcolm and Alice and Lyra have made their way to this. Island with the cave on it, where all the people are hiding out. Mm. Uh, among among them, Mister Mister Boatwright, mm-hmm. who who of course we finally remember from part one. <laughs> um, 
so Mal- Malcolm's just kind of talking to uh, talking to Mr. Boatwright about, about how he came here and, and what's going on. So, mm-hmm. did you come straight here? <laughs> <laughs> Ow! He <laughs> wasn't ready for that. <laughs> oh God, my skin is crawling. Go on. <laughs> In a manner of speaking. There's hidden pathways and hidden refuges all across the woods, all across Oxford and Gloucestershire and Berkshire and beyond. <laughs> you could go from Bristol to London by them hidden pathways and no one ever know you were doing it. Oh, what it. happened when the flood came? <laughs> oh, all we done was go up higher. This spot <laughs> where we are now is the highest place, piece of land in Berkshire. We all know the shortcuts of the shallow ways of the deep ways. We can always slip away and they'll never catch us. And the water is on our side, not theirs. I don't understand, said oh, Malcolm, <laughs> turning the chicken over. Uh, Malcolm was plucking a chicken at this point, too. Oh, okay. The creatures in the water, Malcolm. <laughs> I don't mean fish, neither, nor waterfalls. <laughs> I mean the old gods. Old Father Thames, I've seen him a few times with his crown and his weeds and his trident. He's on our side. The boy CCD, they won't never win against Old Father Thames and other beings as well. There was a man with us. He saw a mermaid near Henley. Oh, God, that's right. I forgot about this part. <laughs> the sea was so full, she come right up the river, even that far from the coast. And this chap, he swore to me that if he saw that mermaid again, he'd go off with her. Well, two days later, he disappeared. And chances are he did just that. I believe it anyway. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Wait, I wasn't done yet, though. Oh, is there more? Sorry. That's yeah. Just- Fine, go ahead. Well, because Mr. Boatwright's wife, Audrey, has to chime in here. <laughs> if I was Tom Sam's, oh, I'd God. say he was probably drunk and his mermaid was a porpoise. She was a porpoise. He spoke to her, did he? And she spoke back. She had a voice sweeter than a chime of bells, he said. Tender one, he's living with her now, out in the German Ocean. He'll be bloody cold if he is. Here, give me that chicken. I'll finish it off. Oh, please be done. Are you done? Yeah, that's it. God, thank God. I love that when you do the wife's voice, it's just like... Monty Python doing like the old ladies. <laughs> oh God! Well, all right. <laughs> With that, is there anything else you feel like adding to uh, to the conclusion of this magnificent book? Uh, no, I think that's the perfect <laughs> way to conclude that. Is it? Yeah, let's leave it at that. That's a beautiful ending. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you uh, another two weeks. I guess week. Yeah. T- Two, two, let's do two weeks. I, two weeks is fine by me. Okay. And we'll do a Choose Your Own Adventure book then, right? Tune yeah. in for next time where we read a Choose Your Own Adventure book in two weeks. Choose Your Own Adventure number two, Journey Under the Sea. It's going to be magical. If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Book Boys, how about you check out the website? Go over to nuzzlehouse.com. There you can see all of the previous episodes of The Book Boys, as well as Glenn's other project, Leaves of Glenn. Also there, there's a link to our affiliate shop at bookshop.org. It's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzlehouse. 
Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Also, find us and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta. Now, careful, this one's a little backwards. We're there at House Nuzzle. Not Nuzzle House. That's House Nuzzle on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and slide into our DMs if you have any praise or suggestions or complaints. We'll take anything. Please just pay attention to us and interact with us. Thank you for listening.